0: A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Mike Maniscalco, and you're listening to the Tracking the Storm podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Mr. Maniscalco, and welcome back to another week of the Tracking the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon, that's Matt. Hey, man, this is going to be a boring-ass couple of weeks. The Hurricanes play two games in the next ten days. What is this? I'm mad. Um, I'm also I'm, mad i I'm about
0: terribly their- sorry, Brandon.
1: <laughs> I'm also mad about their performance against the Vancouver Canucks sort of i mean not really it, it was a stinker whatever they played two games in less than 24 hours i'm not actually that mad about it but
0: anyway and at least at least the stinker game was against
1: the team that's outside of the conference right and you still yeah, got a point it's true that's true and they get a point right um so we're gonna talk about that and we have a very special guest this week no no, no. i didn't f*** up the intro for darren no for i'm
0: actually very proud so brandon did not mess up any <laughs> words during the interview with darren york and then that as soon to- as we get to talk to you folks he's just yeah, he can't I mean, talk anymore
1: forget how to talk yeah but whatever that how it be sometimes um at least i'm not embarrassed like in front of you know a front office member but uh yeah, man. So we're we're pretty much just going to talk about the two games that we saw over the weekend, and then we're going to throw out Darren's interview, and we're going to get out of here. Obviously, again, like Matt said, like they played really well in the opener or the, the first game of the weekend against the Pittsburgh Penguins, which was the bigger okay. game. I think if you ask any Hurricanes fans which one you wanted to win, that's the obvious choice. That's a division team. They sweep the Pittsburgh Penguins for the first time in franchise history, um, and it's not like... Pittsburgh super down. They got a couple guys out right now, which hurt, but uh, that's a 4-0 and a record. It's, t- it's tough to beat a team like that multiple times, and the Hurricanes obviously went perfect against them this year, which is big. It's a team chasing you in the standings, um, and you take away eight points from them. It's, it's just a big swing for the season. Obviously, you come back the next night and, and lay a little bit of a stinker, but that was without Jordan Stahl and, again, playing on a, a short turnaround. The big story lately, I feel like, has been the defensive scoring. Um, you got Brett Pesci and Brady Shea that are really stepping up offensively in addition to their work defensively. And Jalen Chatfield has been really good lately. Jacob Slavin has four points in the last three games after having just 11 in the first 41. I think this is something we talked about a little bit actually last time, didn't we? Uh, the defensive scoring. Yeah, because the Columbus game had literally
0: just happened, but it did continue against, um, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Both of our goals that game, I think, what was it? It was Shea and Chatfield. So the Hurricanes continued that defensive scoring. And, I mean, I watched the game uh, and just looking at it, it's not like the Hurricanes forwards didn't have chances, right? Right.
1: They're just in a rut right now, man. And, I mean, that's honestly. I think
0: think they got out of it against Vancouver in a couple ways. They really didn't generate a lot, but but when they did, it went in.
1: Yeah. And I mean, again, you're going to have stretches like that over the course of a long season. And I think it's actually you can look at it in a positive light because the Hurricanes are still finding a way to win games or and or bank points.
0: Yeah. And I mean, they didn't deserve to win the Vancouver game the way they played. The power play was bad. But again, Paynes fans complain about it. But it's a game that's a back to back that's less than 24, hour, 24 hours apart.
1: Not it's a hard thing to do. Right. And it was not unexpected the way their legs were moving early on in that game. Like, as soon as they got their first power play, I was just like, dude, they just don't really have the legs, the jump right now. And I was like, it's going to be awful. I knew it was going to happen. And it did. And like, sometimes it's just like that. Like, it's it's a long ass season. These guys are human, even if they are in way better shape than you and I. So (laughs) cut them some slack. (laughs) But there's, you know, there's still some positive. This is a
0: podcast of positivity here. That's right always and there's there's a few things that i want to talk about um from that vancouver game i think the most important thing right now is andre svechnikov had a beautiful assist um he's actually been really quiet these past 10 games he has just four points in
1: 10 games um zero goals the last eight three assists is all he's gotten the last eight
0: yeah so he's definitely having a tougher stretch and i think you know, part of that coincides with the fact that power play is not really going right now. Paul Stasny still not that great of a line linemate uh, for them, in my opinion. But still, Svachnikov is producing. He got that assist. It's, you know, that's a big deal for him.
1: And I, I think he's playing well, too. Like, I don't think he's really letting it affect his game like he has at times in the past. He's just not getting the puck to go in right now.
0: Yeah, and... You know, sometimes it might just be, you know, he's he's trying to do too much. And I I, I think with Svetch right now, you know, other teams are pressing him because they know how much of a threat his, he is now.
1: Same goes for nages
0: Yep. And nages I think – nages even has not had, like, the best stretch either. Yeah, that's
1: what um, I was alluding to.
0: nages yeah, just one assist in his last five games – So on the Hurricanes losing streak, Natchez was still productive. He actually had three points in those four games, but he's been held pointless in the last three. And in his last five games, he only has one assist. So, you know, that, that is something to keep an eye on. Natchez has cooled off a little bit and, you know, that coincides with the forwards not doing as well right now, but, um, the other positives I want to talk about is Martin getting a goal. Uh, you know, the Stahl line offensively has dried up, and I know Stahl obviously was not playing in the Vancouver game. But that's a big deal is getting a goal from a guy on his line. And then finally, we got some Tevo Taravainen to Sebastian Ajo magic. feel like we haven't had that a lot this season, but it was just a great play. Ajo to get the puck up to Taravainen, and Taravine back
1: to Aho breakaway goal. It was a stretch pass from Slaven, but yes. Oh, it was a stretch pass. You're right. Sorry. It was a great pass. That's why I had to correct you. I'm sorry. But that pass from Slavin was fantastic. And then the spinorama pass from Terabinem was obviously incredible as well. Terabinem's showing some signs. He's still not where you want him to be. But, again, that was a big play for them. Um, beautiful goal all around. Uh, so, hopefully, that's a sign of things to come. Um, and, yeah, back to Martin Hook, I mean, the guy's on pace for 41 points right now and nearly 20 goals. Like something, something we talked about with Darren York you'll hear in a few minutes is the depth scoring and Martin Oak, like getting that kind of production from a guy that's in your bottom six that's relied upon to wear down other teams. I don't know if he gets there. I don't know if he stays on this exact same pace the second half of the year, but regardless of what happens the second half of the year, it's been a really good year for him. And in the case of Stahl, I think that Vancouver game was like one of the worst situations to not have him because it was the exact kind of game that he made like a big play late. Or, you know, that empty net goal they allowed, he probably gets that puck out. You know, it's, it's little things like that. And and the Hurricanes were flat the entire game. So having your captain who you rely upon to create energy for the team probably could have swayed that game the other way. Hope, whatever's going on with his personal life that he had to take a personal day, hopefully it's all right. And um, something he can recover from soon and that everything's okay with his family and all that. But, uh, yeah, it, it was it was just a tough game. Like It was a really tough game to not have your captain and on ice leader. And, you know, to that end, I, I'm not sure this break is, like, coming at a bad time at all because, A, you two games over the next 10 days, the uh, Hurricanes are in a little bit of a rut right now. This is a chance to decompress. They got the last two days off. I, I remember the PR actually said that they weren't practicing on Monday or Tuesday after that weekend back-to-back. So, you're getting two days to literally just get away from the rink and decompress. They'll come back tomorrow or Wednesday. Um and practice and then they obviously have a game on Thursday so hopefully this is a good chance for a them to reset and kind of get back to playing Hurricanes hockey and b Max Pacioretty is getting a few extra days to hopefully recover from getting banged up the other day
0: so yeah I think that getting Minnesota at home is a big deal because you know there's no travel involved Pacioretty can stay here he can get healthy the team gets to stay at home, which is a really big deal. You know, um, it feels like this is like the longest three game homestand ever, though. Like, I don't know of many homestands that have a four day break in between games, but that's what we got. I really think that the Hurricanes are in a good place right now. I think we we started to see it against Pittsburgh and I think we're also starting to see this team just grow. Jesperi Kokaniemi is still playing really well, even if he's not scoring. Jalen Chatfield's playing arguably some of the best hockey of his career right now. Um, And it's not just because he's scoring. Um, He was great uh, against Pittsburgh the other night. It was giving them hell. And that's, that's exactly what you need from your third pair, you know, the third pair is going to maybe get some tough matchups and you need to be there to prevent those tough matchups. And he, he, he did a great job. Minnesota's definitely turned a corner. They're now a lot better now than they were at the beginning of the year. Um, and so I think it'll be a good test. You know, if the Canes lose this game, it's not the end of the world because again, it's a Western conference team, but I think this team could really put a hurting on a, uh, Minnesota,
1: all right, guys. um as we said, we did have Hurricanes Assistant General Manager Darren York on, so we are going to jump right into that interview in just a minute. Um, but first, tracking the storm is a proud part of the hockey podcast network. So we're going to take just a quick minute and get a word from our friends over at Draftkings. The NFL playoff action continues and we are one step closer to Super Bowl 57. For the NFL's divisional round, head on over to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 203 bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL divisional round and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes wherever you get our podcast for important details. And we're back. And And, we're back. back. Sorry, I was reading a message. And we're back. (laughs) <laughs> all right um we will meet back up and uh reconvene and uh wrap things up here after the york interview but we're gonna go ahead and get into it huge thanks again for him coming on to talk to us a little bit getting some updates on the hurricanes prospects player personnel all that good stuff so without further ado here's our interview with darren york all right folks we are here with Hurricanes Assistant General Manager, Darren York. Darren, thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk to us a little bit on today's show.
2: Thanks for having me, guys.
1: You are in your 13th season with the Carolina Hurricanes. You 14th do
2: season. Sorry. I had 14th. To crack, yeah.
1: Uh it's not updated on the website. Okay. So <laughs> I wanted to fact check myself there. And uh I guess he's in his 14th season with the Hurricanes. Uh he does scouting, player personnel decisions, all kinds of stuff. He does it all. So we're obviously going to talk about all kinds of stuff today. Um, and actually, I wanted to start with Max Pacioretty. Um, Obviously, unfortunately, he got banged up again pretty shortly after coming uh, coming back, but it doesn't seem to be anything too serious. Obviously, you can't talk about that. We don't expect you to. But uh, I just kind of wanted to get your initial thoughts on his fit with the team because it seemed like he <laughs> came back from a very serious injury it was immediately very, very good. So, just wanted to get you guys' thoughts on uh, what Max Pacioretty brought to the team in his initial debut.
2: Yeah, obviously, when you you make a trade for the the caliber of player that that Max is, you know, the expectations for us would be you know come in and, and provide some offense like he's done his his entire career. Obviously. And then he he deals with the the injury, and that's you know that's challenging. You know, anytime a new player comes into an organization, it has a little bit of a setback, but I think. What has um, made the transition very seamless for him, despite the the injuries, is the the family and everyone getting settled and and not having to to worry about things like that. And you know the the couple of games that he he has played already, you, you saw what he does and that's put the puck in the net. Um, so again, looking forward to to getting him in into the lineup and and getting him more games as you know really the second half and the the second season really ramps up here.
0: Um, so another player that's really kind of taken a big step this year is Martin Natchez. And it's a big deal for him considering, you know, this off season, there was obviously, you know, he was due for a contract and there were rumors circulating around that, you know, maybe he was looking to be moved or something, but this year he's filled in, he's a top six forward on the hurricanes and is now playing, you know, arguably the, not even arguably the best hockey of his career. Um, so could you just kind of kind of talk about what's maybe changed for him this year or what he's doing that maybe he wasn't doing last year?
2: yeah, I think the we've always seen it, and I know he he's believes in it too that there this the player that he's playing right now is the the player that we all expected him to to get to, and I think really there's probably even you know another level to his game just because of how skilled he he is how fast he is Um, and I think it's really just putting it sounds like a little hockey cliche but it's just been consistent like I think we've we've seen this level of play before whether it's for a stretch of 10 games or and right now we're seeing it for it's been stretch of 40 plus games and when you have a player that is able to to play at the pace that he has and be able to make the plays with that pace is something that few NHL players can do. So when it's when it's all coming together, you're, you have a, a player that can really dominate the game and change the game and be a difference maker. And that's what you know all teams need, including ourselves when it comes to the, the playoff time and, and be able to provide offense um, at any point
1: it just seems like confidence is such a funny thing for a young player in the NHL. We see it with Nature this year. We've seen it with Andre Sveshnikov at times, or he goes through these rough patches where it just seems like he's fighting the puck a little bit. And I think another guy that maybe kind of this could fall in under the category of this is Seth Jarvis. But I feel like Seth Jarvis has played really, really well. He's just maybe not getting the puck luck that maybe some people expected him to get this year. Cause I thought, I figured he was going to be a pretty easy bet for 2025 20, goals and he's not scoring, but I feel like he's playing really well. So can you kind of speak to the impact he's had, despite the fact that he's maybe not putting up a ton of points right now?
2: Yeah, like I I think I think probably the the slower start um has maybe led to led to that. Well, probably it has. The the second year is, you know, it is obviously challenged. I think last year at times he, he might have caught people by surprise with wondering, you know, who's this who's this kid that just put me on their backside and went, and went gone. So now obviously, you know, you got other teams focusing in on him playing, looking at him a little bit harder maybe now the gaps are, are a little bit tighter and it takes some time to, to adjust. The, the great thing about, about Seth is he, he's not going to feel sorry for himself in terms of, okay, woe is me. I'm not, I'm not at the level that I, I maybe expected at the beginning of the year and he he puts the work in, he continues to, to show that competitiveness, that fearfulness. Um, and, and, you know, the Caniacs have, have seen him when he drives the net, um, despite being shorter and probably lighter than, you know, the ball to the fence and they still end up on his back hip. And now we're, we're seeing that a little bit more consistently. And again, we're, we're excited that, you know, if he went through the sophomore you know slump at the beginning of the year, it seems to be past, um, and now he's primed to to help you know contribute as as we get in here to the, to the second half of the year, and looking forward to to making it deeper in the playoffs. Something we talked about just last week, actually, it seems like he's definitely turning the corner a little bit.
0: So. Now we're going to get into some prospect talk cuz obviously, you know, the World Juniors just happened. We had four guys representing not only their countries but also the Carolina Hurricanes at the
2: World Juniors. So could you talk about what you saw from each each of those guys at the tournament? Yeah, I guess we'll start with um with with Jackson Blake and his, you know, first time representing uh the US at the the World Juniors and I I think for him how he played at the World Juniors is really how he's played throughout um at North Dakota this season, it's really been a seamless transition uh, from from Chicago to to North Dakota, and then from North Dakota to the World Juniors. And you, what you have is a player that has high end skill. Um, he, despite being you know slight and, and maybe not the the fastest from point A to B, he has the ability to just make you miss. Whether it's head checks, whether it's getting in and off his edges, he he can just make you miss and then can make the next play. So. When you know, for us, just looking for it from a development perspective is seeing how his assets play through at the next level. So now he's been able to do it in North Dakota. He's been able to show the offensive creation at the World Juniors, and that's something that that gets us excited about. Um, I get Billy Koivinen uh, playing in well, basically I guess two and a half World Juniors now in. Probably, you know, I think an onset, you look at it from a production standpoint and someone may say that it, it hasn't been as successful, but if you sit back and just look at the puck touches and watch what he's able to do from a creation standpoint, it's again, what we want to see from, from these prospects. I, I think when you're dealing with sh- small sample sizes and, and short tournaments, you know, puck luck, um, can, can dictate production and what. So we're not necessarily just concentrating on the production. We want to see those assets shine through. And I think for us watching him and really thought that he was the, the driver of their line and the ability to, to make others better from, from the wing is challenging to do. And I think, you know, Billy has been able to, to show that consistently at the world junior level. Now he's got things to, to work on like every player does and, you know we'll we we'll continue to to support him from a development standpoint, but we were are happy that we're able to see the playmaking, the the hockey sense in that offense creation. Um, saw me same thing. Uh, I guess two and a half World Juniors now, and getting a another top four role. Um, we saw the the skating ability, the ability to really transport the puck, and that's something that is is necessary in today's NHL, especially when you may be on the the shortest side. You know, we saw a little bit more progression with the the offensive blue line deception and creating space and creating lanes, and that's something that he, he's going to continue to to work on. It's a little different system than how he plays with the with his Liga team, so being able to adjust to a new system in a system that's probably closer to North America is something that, you know, we're excited and we're glad we're seeing, you know, progression at the world junior level. And then the next step would be to take that progression to, to North America. Um, Nikita Kwap, who was the, the goalie for the, the German team, uh, obviously it's, it's a challenge when you're in the in this tournament for some of these teams that don't have the same depth as, you know, the powerhouses and, what we wanted to, to see him is just see how he competes and knowing that he was going to face a lot of pucks. Um, he's a different type of goalie than I guess some of the fans may be used to seeing, like, I guess with, with Kotchikov and not quite as that athletic um, style of nature is a little bit more of a blocking um, goalie that relies on just being smart and being in the right position. And again, for somebody that hasn't been able to, to get as much, net as as he did in the world juniors we thought he adapted to the situations pretty well
1: so speaking of those two fins actually and uh, I think you actually kind of maybe sort of alluded well you talked about seeing them transferred over to North America since they're both under contract do you think we could potentially see that at the end of this season
2: yeah, it really all depends on the timing and everything and how lot, how their seasons go um, but yeah we well, similar to what we've done in, in the past year I guess with Noel Donler more more recently and timing works out well. Um, If we're able to speed up the the, really a development process and get them comfortable and get them used to the AHL ahead of, you know, next season, we'll, we'll look into that. So, you know,
0: you just actually mentioned not too long ago, um, Pyotr Kochekov, and he's been the biggest story of the hurricane season so far. Um, I don't think many people expected him to come into the NHL and look as good as he did. Um, so would you say he's ahead of schedule right now, or is he really just meeting the expectations of the organization?
2: Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's, you know, ahead of schedule or I think this is just where he's, he's at today. I, I think we, I'm um, not to throw out hockey cliches. I know our sport is prone to, to use them, but we're, we're really just evaluated day by day. Like I, I think what you want for for players is when there's an opportunity to, to drink, to get it and to and to run with it, you want him to to take it, and I think with with Peter, he was able to to do that, um, and it really gave us you know an opportunity to evaluate him at the NHL level. And really give us, you know, confidence that if he needs to play in, in meaningful games down the stretch or any game really down the stretch that we know um, he has a level that can, can give us a chance to, to win a game and, and really give us a chance to steal a game. And I think knowing that now, like we have more information than, than we did at the beginning of the year and, you know, again, continue to be excited about the future, um, you know, for him. And to that end, like the decision to send him down, obviously you're never
1: gonna please everybody on social media. But uh, a lot of discourse going around about that right now. But is it more just because hurricanes are in like a stretch where they don't play much? Or now Anderson's back and playing very well. So three's kind of a crowd at that position. What went into that decision?
2: Yeah, like ultimately we you know there's only one net um for, for a starting goalie, and you have opportunities that we can really, you know, maximize. Uh, who who's playing? And you, you alluded to it. We don't have a a lot of games um, heading into the to the All Star break with only one back to back. We're in a situation where Chicago has more games than than us, and we we need all the goalies. You know, down the stretch, and we need them playing. It doesn't make sense for for anyone to be sort of sitting and, and not being able to take. Take puck. So this is an opportunity that we're, we're able to have, you know, as many goalies playing as, as possible right now.
0: We've talked about Jackson Blake and, you know, how he's had a seamless transition. But I also want to kind of talk about some of the other guys that we have in the NCA right now, because really, it seems like most of our guys in college hockey are having really good years. Um, but three guys I've just kind of highlighted in particular that I'd like to talk about are uh, Scott Morrow, Massimo Rizzo and then a uh, cruise lucius's freshman season as well
2: yeah so i think oh, i'll probably go backwards order here um cruise has it's, it's been a great year um I, I think coming off the the injuries last year you really didn't get an opportunity to to play a ton with uh what's a development team um and then going in as a as a true freshman it's it's hard like that's uh that's obviously a big jump and you gotta you got somebody that's got 23 points in in 22 games it's it's really impressive. I think, um, with him, you know, the, the summer is going to be, is going to be huge for him because he hasn't really had a normal, a normal year, but we, we have a player that is just understands the game. And I think at times when, when you make that step from the USHL to, to college, you can, you can rush your puck decisions and not hold on to the puck and, and make a play because things happen quickly. But one of the benefits that, that Cruz has been able to to adjust is the ability to, to have the game slow down. And he, he's not rushing um, his progression reads. He's able to, to hold on to the puck. He's able to look for his drivers and, and make plays off the rush inside the offensive zone on the power play. Again, hold on to it, calm things down, and then find the the open lane. And then when he gets an opportunity to shoot it, he can shoot it. Um, so he's, he's really – he's had a good year in utilizing the, the offensive instincts and then – Again, like I mentioned to Jackson, he's a young kid that has you know other development you know points to his game that he's got to work on. But we're we're pretty excited to to see how quickly the transition has been from from the development program to to uh, to Madison. Um, I think the next name you you had there was uh, Rizzo. Um, it's been two pretty you know pretty good East seasons back to back there in in Denver, and I think you know, he probably wondered if, you know, the transition would go as sort of smooth coming from the BCHL, but really it's just a matter of getting healthy. Uh, Unfortunately, since, since the draft it's been, you had COVID and then um, you had some, some injuries and it's been a, a little bit of a longer road to, to get to Denver, but had a great season as a freshman providing, you know, secondary offense. And then you had some players graduate and in the same things picked up. So it's been, you know, a really excellent year for, for Rizzo. Um, we, we tend to have, I guess, similar types of players in in terms of trying to find guys that have that, you know, offensive instincts in, in be able to make plays. And that's, you know, something that, that Rizzo has been able to, to show pretty pretty well. Um, I, I think what you want to see is that the playmaking off the rush and being able to transition the game from the neutral zone into the offensive zone. I think he does a good job of reading that time and space, um, being able to, to play off the drivers and create a little bit extra space if there are tight gaps. Uh, so, again, something that he's, he's been able to, to, to transition pretty well. Um, last name Scott Morrow I believe just just under a point a game now after um, the the midweek games and you I think I've alluded to this a, a few times in talking to him jumping from high school hockey basically to college last year is is a bigger jump probably than college to the AHL and it, it seems like for a lot of these guys that have had success it, whatever level it is, it just doesn't matter. They, they, they play the same game. They're able to show his assets. And I think with, with Scott, you have a player that has the potential to do to do everything in terms of playing, you know, against the other team's best players to be able to run a power play to be able to make plays. It, it's just a matter of putting everything Consistently in the game. Um, the good thing is if his defensive game may be off a little bit from one game to the next, we know that the puck game and the ability, the ability to to create offense on his own is is something that can be um can be pretty special. So going back to the
1: draft last summer, uh the Hurricanes used four picks on Russian players. And that's something that the organization actually avoided for a long time. But just out of kind of curiosity, is that something that maybe you guys sort of identified a bit of a market, you know, something they were kind of devalued because of the situation. So you got these players that maybe you had way higher on your draft boards that were slipping because of obviously circumstances that were kind of outside of their control.
2: Yeah. like it It wasn't something that we went in to say, okay, we're going to, capitalize if there was a market deficiency we talked about the possibility of the of, of that happening um no different than than other types of players that maybe view differently from from where the market is um yeah i think in if you want to go back 10 years or so the organization probably wasn't heavily in, invested in in russia from a scouting perspective and naturally if you're not invested in there it's, it's going to be challenging to 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 Make players or to make smart decisions. Um, you know, drafting Russian players. We really, we are more invested in, in Russia. We have a great Russian scout Ole Smirnov that does you know excellent work. Um, well, we have excellent scouts all across the the world, um, but really the the players that we selected last year was more based off of our list and based off of where we were picking they were the best players that that we wanted to select um so we were of their passport we we just wanted to get the the players that we felt had the highest upside
0: so now you know we mentioned that you've you've been with the team nearly a decade and a half now um and you've, you've kind of seen things from, you know, helping the team at the draft table to all player personnel. And now obviously as the assistant general manager, but you know, how has not only just the, the scouting industry, but the way, the industry of, you know, helping the players and getting them to the league, like how has that changed since you started?
2: Uh, It's a good question. Uh, The, the, the core problem, or the, I guess the solution that you're trying to solve, has has remained the same. Uh, ultimately, you have players that that need to, to work on certain things, or they need to highlight more of their their assets to, to get them to a point that they're assets at the NHL level. So that problem really hasn't changed. I think the biggest thing that that has changed over the last you know 10 to 15 years is is technology and and utilizing that technology and making sure that we're supporting the athletes as as well as we we can. Um, I think the 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 easiest one to to, to to discuss is you know how we're doing this this meeting and we're doing it on Zoom. So 10, 15 years ago we didn't have access to, to the same technology as easily as it is. You know there there could be delays. So we're able to to teach players and make them feel closer to, to us um, as simple as just having, you know, Zoom conversations and and sharing video clips and getting that perspective uh, a lot easier um, than if we didn't have this, this technology. So Outside of like there, there are other things that have, have changed and other processes that we've, you know, we've changed over the last, you know, whether it's even shorter, three, three years ago. Um, but probably the, the biggest one that has probably had the most you know return on the investment is simple video technologies that I'm sure every other team is, is also utilizing.
1: And I believe this is our last question we got for you. Again, we're here with Darren York, assistant general manager of your Carolina Hurricanes. This is a tough one. Obviously, the Hurricanes obviously fell short against the New York Rangers last year in the playoffs. What is one thing about this team that makes you think it will be different this time around?
2: Yeah, I I think our depth this year is probably um, a little bit better than than in years past. I I, I think you know we alluded to to Max Pacioretty, um, you know, getting him you know into our lineup you throughout the for the second half is going to be a big addition. We alluded to to, to Kotchikov, um, as well as now having, you know, goaltending depth. So I, I, I think as a, an organization, we've, we've strived to, to continue to, to get better um, every day. And, you know, and, and I think with the, the added scoring depth, the added goaltending depth, we're about as deep as a team that, that we've ever been and excited to, to see what else we can, you know, we can do as an organization to continue to get better, not only this year, but for, for years to come. Darren, thanks so much for
0: coming on. We'll let you get back to work. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you for taking the time to talk
1: to us today. Thanks for having me, guys. And we're back.
0: And we're back again.
1: Look at that. <laughs> so, you guys won't know, but we just said that about 30 seconds apart.
0: Um, I know. <laughs> so huge thanks to Darren York for, for joining the show. Uh, once again, this great insights, not only on the, the prospects but uh, the team as a whole and I think it's exciting the the space that the team's in um, Brandon I want to keep this very short I know we're recording this right now on my lunch break so I got to get back to it pretty soon so the last thing I really want to talk about is you know one of the last questions we asked Darren York was about Pyotr Kochekov and you know kind of the team's rationale with sending him down right now and first give your thoughts and then i'll give mine
1: well my thoughts we said this last week right like we thought this is what was going to happen the hurricanes again we've talked about this today they played two games in 10 days that's not a lot of opportunity for three goalies obviously um Chicago has more games in that stretch. You get him down there. He gets some more work. And I just think it's a chance for him, much like the team with this long break, to reset and recalibrate. He's had some mechanical flaws lately. He's not been square to the shooter. He's been deep in his net. He's been getting beat right along the ice. Like, these are mechanical things. They're not big issues that I really worry about with a young goaltender long-term. So I think this is a chance for him to go to a less pressured environment for a team that's not, you know, competing for a division title and hopefully Stanley cup down the road. He's going to be in the AHL. He's going to get a chance to work with the goalie coaches down there and hopefully recalibrate himself so that he can help this team again in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, whatever the case may be. The hurricanes are going to need Kochetkov at some point this year. I would be absolutely floored if he does not see another game for the hurricanes this year. So again, I just think it's a chance for him to settle back down, get some work in, be the number one down there get to crease plenty. And let's be real. Freddie Anderson is giving this team the best chance to win hockey games right now. And that's ultimately the most important thing.
0: Yeah. And you know, the, with, with Kochekov right now, the thing that he needs the most is starts. It's been something I've been preaching since we drafted him in 2019. Just give the kid starts. And I say kid, he's a year younger than me.
1: Oh, <laughs> both children.
0: Uh, shut up, Brandon. Uh, anyways. Kochekov just needs starts, and he's going to get that. The Wolves have three games this week. The Hurricanes have one. (laughs) Like He's going to start in two games. Chances are, with Anderson and Ronta healthy, that would mean that he would get zero starts in Raleigh even just from a mathematical standpoint that makes sense now yes you could argue oh well you know nhl starts are more valuable than ahl starts i'm not here to debate that i'm here to say the fact that he's getting any starts is better than just sitting in the press box right now and ultimately you don't want to do that
1: yeah like that's not helping anybody having your goalie of the future sitting in the press box again he's 23 years old Darren didn't say it, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think he's way ahead of schedule. Like goalies his age, another thing we have preached on this podcast, they don't really <laughs> contribute at the NHL level until 25, 26, however old. But goal, you know, any prospects ready when they're ready. It's never linear. It's never the same. So, um, I'm happy with where Coach Chekhov's at. He's been a huge story for the Hurricanes this year, and I very I worry very little about him. Yeah,
0: it's hard. The Wolves are actually getting healthy right now. Um, I'm pretty sure, like, Kevin Fitzgerald coming back is actually huge because he's one of the only, like, big shutdown defensemen that that team has. And so having him back in the lineup is actually going to be a really big deal. He can eat minutes for that team and really play a defensive role, and I think that's going to help Ekov really, truly ultimately i just think that this is a net positive for the hurricanes well folks we want to thank you for taking the time to listen to us this week we've got some exciting things coming up uh it may have been hinted to at on twitter recently by somebody but you know we'll we'll talk more about that maybe next week but folks in the meantime the weather may suck outside as we're recording this but i tell you what It's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.